Hi Sharp Scratch listeners, I hope you're all keeping well. Just wanted to give you a little bit of information about the episode that's coming up. This was recorded um, before the kind of special circumstances caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. We know that a lot of your exams have been moved online or even cancelled completely, but we hope you'll still find our discussions useful. Today on Sharp Scratch, you'll learn how to figure out which exam topics are high yield, why you need a voice in your head telling you to just move on, and the amazing power of flashcards. You're listening to Sharp Scratch, how to smash your med school exams. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we talk about all the things you want to know to be a good doctor, but that you might not get taught at med school. I'm Anna, and I'm a final year medical student at King's, and I'm also the editorial scholar here at the BMJ. And I'm in the studio today with our old time panel members, Declan and Laura. Would you like to introduce yourselves? (laughs) Hi, I'm Declan. I'm currently an F1 up in Newcastle. I'm Laura. I'm a fifth year med student at the University of Cambridge. And we're also delighted to welcome this week's expert guest, who's actually going to be here um, for this episode and our episode again in two weeks' time. So would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm David Brill. I'm an F2 at the Royal Free Hospital in North London. Uh, And I've been doing a lot of thinking about uh, exams and OSCEs recently because I've just written a book called uh, Making a Medic, the Ultimate Medical School Survival Guide. So um, check it out. (laughs) <laughs> Getting the plug in there. Yeah, yeah, straight away. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking um, a little bit about prep for exams. Um, and specifically, we're going to be talking about written exams. If you need some help with your practical exams, um, then come back in two weeks and we might be able to give you a hand. So, yeah, the reason why we have invited David to join us is because he has spent a long time reflecting on how he was successful at med school um, and has written this pretty awesome book about it. Um, It's got some really cool illustrations as well, which I have really enjoyed. Um, So we're hoping that David can help us, you know, really crack the secrets of of doing well in med school exams um but we're not really going to be talking about content because obviously that you know differs from med school to med school we're going to be talking more generally about tips to prepare for exams um in the weeks leading up to the exam and then also on the day of the exam itself so in my experience med students are like pretty obsessed with exams right Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely obviously to the majority of the year like more of a priority than being a doctor, especially at the beginning of med school, where Mm. it just seems so far away. You've no idea what is relevant for being a doctor. You learn all these facts, that the immediate hurdle is how do I just pass this exam? And I'll Mm. worry about what comes next when it comes next. So I remember my first ever med school exam. I was like absolutely terrified because I had no like context for it. I had no idea what it was gonna be Mm. like. You can't, so I came straight to med school from school. You can't go and read the syllabus for the med school oh, exams. No. You know, you no. know, you can't like go and read the examiner's reports from previous years, which is what I did with my A-levels because I'm yeah. super sad. Um, so yeah, like what, how did you guys find sort of studying for exams at med school? I did not have a good time of it. I, especially in first year, just like you, like I thought I could bring my sick form strategies straight to uni. I made a plan where mm. I just thought, I'll map out all the hours I have every week and just work through the content 
and then I'll probably finish the content like a few weeks before exams and start being able to do questions. But a fortnight before my first exam, I realized I'd covered about a third of the yeah. lectures of the year. Mm. And I, I took stock of everything I had left and I realized that to read five lectures an hour to get through the rest of it, considering all the hours I had remaining in, in my Including like, did you take out like the bits where you were sleeping and stuff? Or? Yeah, yeah, so I, like, <laughs> I, like, I knew how many hours I had in a day, like sometimes I had lectures to work around or whatever, you know, or, and I always like did lunch breaks and, you know, healthy, healthy days, healthy days mostly, but, um, and sleeping lots, of course, because that is, I just can't, what's the point in studying if I don't sleep? For me anyway, if I don't sleep, what's the point in studying? So all the hours I had, five lectures an hour, I was just reading them, highlighting them. It was like, I passed, but I don't remember anything. Mm. I only know a third of my first year content in my head. Mm. And the other two thirds, I crammed it and it's lost. Mm. Like I would have to learn that from scratch again. So it's definitely the way you study at med school is different from the way you might study at school. But David, you actually um, did a science degree before you came into medicine, right? So mm. would you say that the, the study is different um, when you came to med school or? I think for me, the biggest thing with med school is probably coping with the information overload and the absolutely enormous amount of stuff that you're expected to learn. Because I don't know about you guys, at my med school, we'd get given a sort of curriculum at the start of the year and it would just be everything about everything all mm. broken yeah, down yeah, into yeah. bullet mm. points and when you look at that curriculum I mean you feel a bit like you're going to throw up from <laughs> just looking at how much stuff yeah. you have to learn so I think just so much of it was just about learning what you actually need to know like mm. prioritizing the stuff um, working out what's like high yield topics that are worth a lot of your time and what's like low yield stuff that isn't going to come mm. up in your exams and that's the kind of thing that you pick up on placements and talking to students yeah. in years above and just doing a lot of MCQs because like we're only human we can't learn everything all the time so you need mm. to prioritize and and you can find that there are some things which is like great bang for your buck and other things that are just not worth the time mm. i wondered if anyone was going to use the term high yield mm. because i only just came across this term like last year when i was studying for my fourth <laughs> year exams i was like what is this high yield thing that people are talking about and then when i was um got on twitter and like started following lots of med students particularly in the us like because yeah. their exams are so insane they are like hot on the high mm. yield so what would you suggest David you you need to go talk to someone who's in like the year above you at your med school to kind of get this info yeah that's one way you can do it and another way to do it is just to do like quite a large volume of practice questions and just kind of keep track of which um, topics come up a lot like I think there's different ways to use the, the the question banks, but obviously towards the end you want to really focus on whether you're getting them right or wrong and learning from the wrong answers. But early on, I just used to do as many as I could just to, it didn't matter if I'm getting them wrong, but just to see which things are coming up a lot. Because mm. with a lot of the online question banks, they're quite clever about, let's say they've got 100 topics on haematology. Well, 25 of them might be about anemia, which is, that, that tells you that that's going to be a high yield thing that comes up a mm. lot. And you, also also your your placements, you know, so if you're on GP, and every other patient's coming in with high blood pressure or diabetes, mm. you know that that's something mm. that's important to know about. Mm. And then when you do your, your specialty patient uh, placements, I remember sometimes the, the consultants get very excited about the really obscure mm. stuff, <laughs> and, it, and, and it, they'll get really excited about the patient with Waldenstrom's macroglobulinemia. <laughs> no, I don't know what that is. Exactly. <laughs> and they will, they'll come and they'll say, you've got to go and clerk this patient. He's the only person I've ever seen with this rare condition. <laughs> and instantly you've got to be thinking, 
okay, that's nice, but that's never going to come up in my exams. Mm. You know, yeah. you have to focus on the, the bread and butter stuff, the things that's filling up the wards, that's filling up the clinics, that's coming mm. out all the time that everyone's mentioning. And then know those topics inside out. And then the, the rare, you know, it might be really interesting stuff. I mean... No disrespect to, you know, rare diseases and the and rare it's, conditions. And it's worth sometimes knowing them. Like, so you do yeah. hear about people coming across those kind of things way later in their career and thinking, I did see that once as a med student. Like, Absolutely. But it's about priorities, mm. isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. You know, if you, if you go and spend a whole morning reading about this very obscure gene mutation, that's time that, I mean, it's, it's not going to come up in your exams. Mm. Yeah, I think the approach that I um, took to that was that I would learn all the like bread and butter stuff and then if there was anything I found like particularly interesting like just for myself I would kind of go a bit more in depth because I I just had this awareness like that I was never going to be able to learn all of it so I was like how do I actually decide which bits I'm going to learn I was like well yeah obviously like what you've said about you know high blood pressure diabetes etc etc like those things are super important but for the like more niche stuff I was like if I find this interesting I'm gonna continue learning about it. If I don't, I'm just not gonna bother. Mm. I don't know if that's a good approach. What about you, Declan? Think back to your finals and those heady days when you weren't mm. a doctor. Yeah, um, I mean, I kind of agree with everything you said. I, I think it is a li- it is worth learning, or at least briefly looking over some of the rarer stuff. You do occasionally get a, a question about Walderstrom's, whatever the hell what that was. Um, I mean, I, I guess the difficulty that that I had was retaining it, um, and <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's, that's the general difficulty. Yeah, yeah, isn't but it? but I mean, <laughs> I, I find question banks to an extent helpful um, in terms of gauging what will come up um, and using them closer to the exams. But I think uh, maybe it's just me, but I kind of had to consistently revise as I went through the year, to be honest, and. Mm. Um, had to actually look into things and understand what was happening for me to be able to retain it. Oh, Declan, um, how do you do that? How do you revise consistently throughout the year? Nice. I revise consistently. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to like, like, I think coming back to university after having a year out, I've got the similar vibes to when I started university. Like, I found it really hard to know how to study or what to study in the mm. first part of the year. And now I'm coming up to this point where I'm like, what do I learn? It very much feels like I've taking mm. a step back to my old my old revising ways how did you do it Declan um <laughs> I, I mean to be fair it's not like I was consistently like in a library although I was a little bit oh come on um, we, we heard you we can listen to yeah, it well, like, yeah, two, yeah, three, but, I mean, <laughs> taking your finals yeah. you knew so much don't try man. and pull the wall over our eyes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were there but yeah I, I guess it's just like do little bits here and there I guess knowing your own learning style and all that kind of crack is is important you know mm. I just for like physiology we do flow charts and all that kind of stuff and it's just I don't know. I, I always found if you know the first principles, you can then work out the answers because I can never just retain information because information for information. Um, yeah, so I always just made sure I knew first principles and then you can kind of work it out from that. And then, therefore, you don't have to retain as much information, mm. if you know what I mean, because you can just go back to the basics. So that's how I managed to struggle through, I think. <laughs> I think this is an interesting idea that comes up a lot in med school, this idea of do I revise as I go along or do I just get through the placements and mm. then try and revise everything at the end. Mm. And I would say that it's you're setting yourself a bit of an impossible task if you try and do everything at the end because 
then you're talking about a whole year's curriculum, like trying to cram it in the last few weeks before mm. exams, which is mm. basically impossible. Yeah. And you risk overstressing yourself. So I think mm. as you go along, it is hard. But if you can just carve out the time, I used to f- try and do like a review at the end of each week where I just would take a couple of hours and look over all my notes everything I'd done that week and try and consolidate and try and work out like what what did I understand this week what do I not understand that I still need to come back to uh, when exams are closer what were the write down like I, I used to like make notes to my future self like um, <laughs> oh my god yeah I do that I had this long list at the back of my notepad of all of the things that I didn't know that I had to revise before the exams and then when I sat down to do it and I opened it up so and there's like 40 <laughs> things on it and you're like oh god <laughs> but that's better than not having a list and then there's 40 things you didn't know that you didn't get around to yeah, so, yeah exactly. it, and, you know there's always potential to stress yourself out with these lists but so practically when did mm. you when did you put that time it was like a Friday night job Saturday job Sunday night yeah Sunday I feel no Sunday is yeah. a good day. You don't want to ruin your Friday night and your yeah. Saturday. That's a lot of day of rest, mate. Mm. Instead of yeah. Sunday. <laughs> but Sunday night yeah. is like, oh, you you're going back the next day. Yeah. 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 I used to, um, yeah, sun, so I found Sunday night, a couple hours on Sunday night because you can like draw a line under the last week and then move on mm. to the next week. Mm. And the other thing that I find useful is like remembering good resources and things that I'd found because like, mm. so you might find a brilliant video on you know Khan Academy or something on YouTube about leukemia or whatever you've been learning that week. And then exams roll around like nine months later and you can't remember what it was. Mm. So it's quite mm. useful if you just make a little list for yourself at the end of each week. This is stuff that was really useful. Or, or here's a, a useful mnemonic or a way to remember something, mm. you know. And then that will, you know, your future self will really thank your past self when mm. exams come around yeah, and you've definitely. got that useful list. Yeah. yeah. Does anyone use um, like Anki, or like flashcards? Yes. No. Yes, I do. Do you? Yep, I found them really useful in fourth year. I, I don't know, they take ages to make, right? So it's always that, a question of like, how much time do you put in for what you then get to get there. out? So I used it only for emergencies. We like we used the Oxford Handbook a lot at my yeah, uni. Yeah. And so I... Every oh, Oxford. Sort of <laughs> 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 Change your tune about Oxford now. <laughs> that they've got a handbook. Made, yeah. An excellent handbook of clinical medicine. Yeah, <laughs> that will give them. They suck at rugby. I mean, they're quite good at rugby. But anyway, never mind. Um, <laughs> it's getting sidetracked. Um, and the back of the Oxford handbook has uh, chapters on emergencies, like mm. simple flowcharts. So I turned those into flashcards. Because mm. I figured if there's something I'm going to put a lot of effort into retaining long term, which is kind of what flashcards are good for, especially if you use them in the timed way that Anki and other similar apps mm. do, then um, emergency is going to be the one, right? Like if I'm becoming a new yeah. doctor emergencies might be the only time when I don't feel like I've got the time to go look something up. Whereas yeah. nearly everything else, yeah, I can yeah. have a quick quick glance in my handbook for the differentials for eye pain or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I, you mm. know, that's mm. the... And flashcards condition you for really quick recall as well, which is useful in an emergency mm. situation. Mm. Mm. And you can do flashcards, like, on the bus. Yeah. You know, this is yeah. how you could start fitting in a bit of yes. vision around your yes. schedule. Like, I always used my commute. I mean... If, it sounds weird to say I was lucky that I had a very long commute, but I had around an hour and a half commute to the mm. hospital I was at for the first mm. half of fourth year, which gave me loads of time to learn all the like peds and obs and gynae that I hadn't done yeah, before. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I think it, it is possible. Just yeah, and actually this year, um, a friend of mine in the, in the year above gave me her flashcards. And that's, if you can get flashcards from people in the years above, if you've got yeah. like groups that, I don't know, in Cambridge we've got this college system, so people often share within colleges oh. their resources. Um, and she's turned a pathology textbook into a deck of, like, 10 decks of flashcards. 
um, which electronic is, flashcards or hard copy uh, electronic flashcards yeah. yeah um so quite easily to share between mm -hmm. us and then yeah. um and then that means i can learn it without having to put the hours in to make mm. flashcards but i can just crack on with learning it and mm. that's specific to a particular exam we have this year so i'm really grateful for that resource because mm. that's gonna and i think lot. there's something to be said about utilizing the resources that are out there so mm. obviously you said david about like keeping a list and stuff but i was surprised so my uni like when we were coming up to our fourth year exams which were the ones that like kind of go towards your like overall ranking and stuff for mm -hmm. foundation placements so everyone was like really stressed about them and our our actual dean of medicine who is an amazing guy did all these webinars where he would like go through cases and they were all real cases and anyone can ask questions and there's over 400 people in my year and about 20 people were attending these webinars and when i said to people like are you going to tim's webinars like they're really really good mm. and they were like oh no well maybe i'll watch it afterwards but actually he talked about loads of stuff that then came up on the exam yeah. wow, so like yeah. find out what's out there and i know that like things can be you know buried on your like virtual learning environment <laughs> or whatever it is yeah. and it's really difficult mm. to find but you know do seek these things out because that was probably like i mean i wouldn't have part i well, I would have passed, but I wouldn't have done as well if yeah. I hadn't, like, yeah. been in those webinars. Yeah. That's another very important way to work out what's high yield, by the way, is the lecturers yeah, will, will often give you yeah. clues yeah. and drop in yeah, the, like, um, yeah. this might come up in your exams, wink, wink. And if you're not there, you can miss those things. Or mm. if they devote a large portion of yeah. their slides to something, you've got to think, well, that's yeah. probably worth yeah. learning. So that is a good reason to turn up to lectures then. Because I know a lot of people at some point in med school might think to themselves, lectures are a low yield. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's m much more efficient just using a question bank or just using this textbook. Um, I think question banks even more so because they people feel that they're like really directly applicable to the exam. But it is worth going to lectures too. Just to go back to flashcards since you asked. I, no, personally, ahead. I was an uh, absolutely huge fan of flashcards. I used them mm -hmm. absolutely loads. So you can buy the pre-made ones, which are good for like anatomy. Um, like netters and things like that mm -hmm. yeah. but also making your own electronically I think is something that at school or even my first university degree I never did it never occurred mm -hmm. to me but mm -hmm. for medical school the amount of information you need to <laughs> learn personally I thought electronic flashcards were brilliant so basically you have to build them yourself or you can like Laura mm -hmm. said you can inherit them from someone else which is nice uh, mm -hmm. if you've got that position but um, I used a like really basic app I think called flashcards and you just build in an excel spreadsheet all the questions and all the mm -hmm. answers and that would be part of my Sunday night process of yeah, going through yeah, the previous yeah, week yeah. because the act of actually making your own question and answer is revision mm -hmm. in itself mm -hmm. and you, you don't necessarily right. realize it you can spend maybe half an hour an hour writing like 20 30 questions to yourself and they can be really basic or you know what is the first medication for managing um, diabetes in the NICE guidelines or whatever. And then the, the cards will, you can set them to use a, a technique called spaced repetition. That's yeah. probably, is that how you were doing it? That's what the Anki yeah. kind of exactly. Anki does it like programmed. Yeah. Exactly. So I guess, did you did yeah. you set your own up? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's really smart. So it'll just yeah. keep serving you. But you ask yourself a question on the app and then you tap. And, you know, if you got it wrong, you swipe down. Uh, if you got it right, you swipe up. It's a bit like Tinder, isn't it? Or like a more boring version. Well, hey. um, <laughs> Medic's Tinder. <laughs> exactly. That makes us sound very sad. Uh, and the ones that you get wrong will keep coming up. So it's basically conditioning your brain to give you the ones that you find hardest. And the ones that you find easy will just disappear. So then yeah. you're not being challenged on them. Yeah. And the other thing is if you spend that time making those flashcards, 
in week one or whatever, then when exams roll around in week 45, you've still got it and you can just fire up the flashcards that you already made and just use them again. Mm. Yeah, I like to paper my walls of my room with mm. like You're one of them. flow yeah. charts I, I, I and things. I used to do that and then I was just a little bit depressed when I then like look at my wall and it's yeah. like... If it's also the place where you sleep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I still have everything up from my fourth year exams. Really? I haven't yeah, taken yeah. any of it down, yeah. Including a um so my uni provides us with a list of like basically every single like presentation that you could get tested on. And yeah, we have a similar list. Yeah, yeah. there's like five hundred things on it. Oh, so, so I printed that all out and stuck it up like above my desk to be mm. like, here is the scope of, of what it is you need to <laughs> learn. Yeah. And every time I look at it now because now we're in like 2020 I have more of a pressing awareness that I'm going back to medical school in August mm. and I'm just like keep going in there and looking at it and thinking like oh, should I yeah. should I start thinking about any of these things again and then I just leave the room uh, <laughs> yeah, I would find that stressful walking into yeah. a room with all of your learning objectives uh, plus yeah. them if you can't yeah. see it then it's not a problem well exactly <laughs> I can just shut the door <laughs> what about like mind maps and spider diagrams do people do those mm. well I I used to be a massive fan of drawing, like writing my notes out and mm. the layout on the page would be, particularly in undergrad, uh, that that would be like the layout on the page would be a big part of how I remembered the information. Mm. Yeah, I Different agree. colours for different kinds of information, that kind of thing. And the process of putting down on paper, like how it looked would be an important part of me memorising it. But then I got a repetitive strain injury from writing in third year. <laughs> and That's I could no longer... How much were you writing? Oh my god, it was such a good morning. So we we have to intercalate at Cambridge. So I did psychology for the year, and I had three really cool um, lectures back to back, and I was just writing and writing and writing. They were so interesting. Um, and during the second one, my arm started to hurt. But I'd played a rugby game the day before, and so I thought it was a bruise or uh, just a normal muscle sore. I was everywhere I was sore, and it wasn't until like the the middle of the third lecture that I realized I had a problem like I couldn't really move my hand and <laughs> it took it took 6 months of physio to get better really? I to, yeah I did my exams oh my on a computer that year oh, because wow. I didn't think I could because all our exams were like we had four 3 hour written exams and I didn't think I would like I thought if I wrote them mm. on day like day 1 might be fine but day 2 I didn't think I could write so I did all my exams on a computer that wow. year and since then like I've had to completely change my revision strategy. That's when I started using flashcards because I could no longer rely on this sort of visual putting down on paper, the sort of mind map. Mm. I ne never went for mind maps so much as like boxes, boxes here and there. Some like, people have very photographic memories where yeah. they can recall what the page mm. looks like in yeah. their minds and yeah. other people just don't like visual yeah. stuff. At all. I mean, I, I could do that in first year. I did used to write my notes in first year and do stuff mm. like that, but then you get the fifth year and there's just I just found it was too, too much. much stuff. There's, there's to too much content to write down, that. isn't there? Yeah. What, at what point did you continue writing notes at all? Into I gave up after yeah. first year because uh, it was just physically that's really interesting. impossible. I, I write everything. Yeah. I I can't remember it if I type it on the computer. Mm. Genuinely, yeah. like the action of writing. That's what I thought. Um, <laughs> that's what I thought, but yeah. But it's, but it's, I, tough. I, it's tough. I don't know. I've never found that it's taken that much time. Maybe because I write really quickly. Mm. Uh, it, like my writing is only legible to me so mm. yeah. I bet it only needs to be so yeah. but yeah I find the action of writing and like I would make flashcards um, 
and then like never look at them again but i would remember them because i'd written mm. them sure um, it feels like if you hand i always felt if you handwrite something it goes into your brain more than if you yeah. totally agree. If you type it totally i always agree. felt yeah, yeah. when did you write notes all through my school mm, big time yeah. but less and less each year um yeah. i recently got all my folders out and lined them up just uh, out of interest as part of my um process for the book to see how it changed over the years and my pile just got smaller and smaller each year yeah. so mm. in first year and um you know when you're learning all the like basic clinical sciences mm. i wrote loads drew loads and loads of pictures and then mm. i would like edit and condense my notes down and down and down and convert yeah. them into you know one page summaries or mind maps or flashcards yeah. or things like that mm. so initially it sort of reflects how much you know about it in a way i think maybe the more you know the less you write perhaps yeah, <laughs> at the start yeah. you're writing reams and reams because you don't know what's what's yeah. high yield you don't know what's relevant yeah. so you're trying to write everything and you don't know anything at all, least yeah. when you get to final year you already know exactly. the basic anatomy you don't need to rewrite it up mm. to understand exactly the you're just adding the yeah. extra little bits that yeah. you need on yeah. the top so yeah. yeah i wrote less and less and And I just want to say, if anyone's listening who is like a first or a second year medical student, potentially at a uni like mine and Laura's, where we have like a very clear distinction between preclinical and clinical, it can really seem like what you're learning is not relevant at all to being a doctor. Mm. And I know I found that really, really challenging in first and second. Like I did, I, I did poorly in my exams in mm. first and second year because I just didn't, I couldn't make that connection. Mm. Um, and but actually, it's like. I was this is a really really like you're gonna like this Laura I think <laughs> but it's like you have like all of medical knowledge is like a jig- jigsaw puzzle right you're never gonna get the full jigsaw because you're never gonna know everything but when you start you haven't got anything mm. by the end of second year you've probably got two corners mm. and they're not even like they're opposite corners <laughs> so the fact that you, do, you can't see how it's relevant like yeah. is completely normal and completely yeah. fine mm. and then I found as I started seeing patients and actually making those connections yeah. and like filling in some of the you know yeah. borders of the jigsaw puzzle like everything just sort of started to make a lot more sense yeah. mm. so if you're like struggling through that period of just like trying to cram and learn all this stuff like in my experience it does get better mm. yeah. I don't know about you guys I mean you don't necessarily have to see the patients yourself as well what I used to do for neurology when because I thought it was I found it quite difficult and just understanding what things meant and how they would present clinically I just found really difficult so I used to um, go on YouTube and just type mm. in a condition and there's really really good stuff out mm. there and it'd be like getting a patient to walk mm. and then you can see kind of mm. what a particular gait is and then that relates yeah. back to the basic sciences and yeah. all that stuff so you don't necessarily have to I guess wait until your clinical years mm. Mm. if you're, if you're studying neurology just just google google a condition yeah. and then it, it definitely helps it stick in your mind a bit more i also found in early years like a lot of the information that's actually aimed at patients is quite useful for early oh years. god so yeah patients it's enormous so language yeah. just understand it so it's, it's just yeah. the right level a patient.co.uk was a really good website yeah, yeah. for yeah. patient stuff the nhs yeah. website and you know your professors are, you know might be like oh you should be reading these textbooks but actually yeah. entry level you're starting like a patient you're coming with no no mm. knowledge and it's mm-hmm. good to start there yeah and that's also really useful once you get onto your practical exams which we'll be talking about next time because it like gives you the info that you need to kind of communicate to patients and in normal vocab yeah yeah Mm. okay cool we're going to discuss some practical tips for the day of the exam but that will be right after this 
How much do you care about indemnity right now? Probably not a lot. You're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients. But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. All right, back to the show. Okay, so we talked quite a lot about the prep you can do, you know, kind of in the weeks to months to potentially years before your exam. Um, But what about on the day itself? So I know that I... so. At King's, we do our exams at Kensington Olympia, which I don't know if anyone What's knows that? where that is. It's a, it's like a exhibition centre, basically, but oh, it's in a really it? awkward part of London. So basically, wherever you live, it's very inconvenient is to get like to. Is there, like, art there? Do you do, like, art exhibition? No, like, um, things like uh, the Great British Baking Exhibition and things like that. Wow. You know, Weird. Um, Did you see your exams there? Yeah, um, BMJ. There was a BMJ yeah. event there this year. Um, and I went and I was like, this is so weird. This is where I do my exams. But it all looks <laughs> different. But I also have this like weird feeling in the pit of my stomach just being in that, of course, in that yeah. place. Isn't it yeah. huge? How many of you are doing the exams? So there's like over 400 people oh, just okay. in my year at med school. And yeah. we all sit there. So once we get into, this is like completely irrelevant information, but once we get into third year the third years fourth years and fifth years all sit the same exam Mm. but there's just different pass marks um yeah so it's weird but there's yeah basically there's loads of us but anyway what (laughs) my point is (laughs) i always see people on the train who are clearly other medical students who are like frantically like looking over their notes but i like just don't do that like i never look at anything on the day so i wondered if anyone had any exam related superstitions Laura, I feel like you have like a, a little mascot or something that you bring to your desk. <laughs> that is adorable that you think that about me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wear my comfiest clothes, as I'm sure that many Ooh. of us do. Yeah. Let's be all grateful that we have that option, because I know that there's at least one university where you have to dress smartly for your exams. Yeah, for yeah that's exam. Oxford. Yeah, oh. you have to wear their little <laughs> gowns the other and their ones. things. Oh, yeah, yeah, they do. So yeah, for their exams. So to be fair, I have a friend at med school who would always wear like a shirt. Mm. He was like, one time I didn't wear a shirt and I failed that exam. Mm. So he he like always wears a shirt and that's yeah. you know I'm makes him feel in my pajamas, me man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, I often yeah. want to shout with my slippers and dressing yeah. gown. Yeah. I just never quite have yeah. to That's a bit too far. That would feel so weirdly relaxed. Mm. That would be yeah. a bit odd. But a lot of people, um, a lot of people have like you know kind of like superstitions, not superstitions, but like maybe little rituals that just like make yeah. them feel more confident. Yeah. I have like I don't know food typical mm. things I do with food. So, like, if I have a morning exam, I tend to not have breakfast because the the hunger helps me feel alert and awake throughout the morning. I know that sounds counterintuitive. Other people will find no, it much more helpful to have some brain to, food. But you're supposed to, like, make better snap decisions when you're hungry, right? 
Uh, maybe this is yeah. completely no. non-citable, no. <laughs> <laughs> non-peer-reviewed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is something that uh, I read I on a Facebook headline. It's <laughs> not no, my type on the wards when I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's I don't know for everyone, yeah, isn't it? But. In other contexts, mm. like for like a hospital context, I'd you know porridge is my sort of go-to if I if I need a good meal to start off the day, porridge with yeah. peanut butter, banana, love it. But on <laughs> if I've got an exam in the morning, I find that. I've you know I've tried both ways and I just find that if I don't have breakfast I avoid the 11 a.m. slump okay. a little bit. I sometimes do a practice. I, the last set of exams I did I did a practice like exam at like travelling to the place. And, not travelling yeah. to the place no, but I like got up at the time that I would need to get up to travel to the place. I sort of like messed about a bit to simulate the commute. Did you actually? Not not like not like massively, <laughs> but I like started the I I did a time thing on one of the I don't know if we're allowed to say the brand names of the question banks that we use um on one of the question banks and yeah I started it at the time that the exam started and you know it it helped you it helped Mm. me figure out like should I be eating before this exam like you know particularly if you need to sort out particularly if you have got a long way to travel um then it is worthwhile figuring out what morning things you need to do and what things you can do without like if you if you need to shower in the morning, then you need to shower in the morning. But if you can shower the night before, get yourself a little bit more of a lion, a <laughs> bit more of a chill start to the day. Yeah, know? it's nothing. It's something that I'd never even considered, but I actually think it's quite a smart, quite a smart yeah. thing to do. Thanks, I mean, mate. <laughs> I appreciate it. Mean, so we didn't have like a, a long commute. Well, we did, but we all like I don't know. It was cyclable distance, but particularly in the first couple of years, you we went to this sports centre outside of the centre of town, and it was for many of us like the furthest we'd gone from the town centre, and so. Everyone was panicking, like, is my bike in good condition? Yeah, <laughs> the tyres yeah. pumped, you know, everyone checking this kind of stuff. Oh, the last thing you want is a flat tyre in the morning. This exam. happened. Yeah, this happened. happened. Ha- yeah, we cycled as a big group, fortunately, uh, and someone got a flat tyre halfway there. They got a puncture. And so they went to someone else's bike and the smallest person went on the back of my bike. And we did all get there. And we were just so glad that we set off 20 minutes early because yeah. oh, I, get I couldn't cycle. Hours, for, yeah. I get there hours early, probably mm. two hours early, especially my clinical one. Sorry, what? Yeah. Two hours early? Just in case, like... I get there, like, 15 happens. minutes early. No, like, no, two I'm, hours? Was, yeah, I'm the guy. You don't just there. sit there all sweaty and nervous. Nah, what do you do? Just, just there, chill. You sweaty. Don't, you don't need... I mean, I, w- I probably would be sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, but now you can you sit, bring, chill. You, you, you don't have to notes? worry about anything. No, just, just wow. sit and just... I think the last thing you want is have, extra stress as yeah, the just morning. Sit and wait Sit and have a coffee. Oh, what a nightmare. At least I don't bring like a book to read, like a fiction, like a novel or something. Nah, you know? that's oh too much thinking. Declan's I'm never just, read a book. I've never, I've never <laughs> read a book. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually true. Oh, <laughs> I always found the real challenge was like regulating your fluid balance because you always oh, need to have yeah, coffee yeah. to get the right amount of caffeine. You know, yeah, and yeah, then you yeah, get dry yeah. mouth because you're nervous so you drink water. Yeah. But then you don't want to get up to pee in the middle of the exam. Mm. It's three hours long. Yeah. Oh my God. We have weird rules at my my um, uni as well. Like I would highly recommend like actually read the instructions <laughs> yeah. that they send you um, because I don't like I'm quite laissez-faire about exams. So I'll, I will just turn up and, and, and see what happens. Um I never know my seat number, which always stresses me out, but I <laughs> never think to do. So I do all this prep before I do this practice run, but when I get there, I, I feel extremely unprepared. Um, so do read the instructions because like, I know at, at King's, you're like not allowed to go to the toilet for like the first oh, yeah. 25 or minutes yeah. or something. And there's all these like bizarre rules and you have to get there super early because they, they like search everyone's bags yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, for me, like, over the last five years, the rules have kept evolving. So clear, 
like bottles for water, has mm. become clear bottles without labels for water. Yeah. So, like, even if you read the rules last year, it's worth rereading. Someone writing a clotting well. cascade on the inside of their on water the, bottle. I know, can you imagine, right? like, popping on your happen? desk and, like, spinning <laughs> your bottle around, like, reading the inside of it? Yeah, it's bananas, but. Yeah. People come up with ways, don't they? And they often, like, need you to bring certain things, like, mm. I've forgotten my student ID before, mm, yeah. and that's been a bit of a nightmare. Oh, so stressful, and... yeah. I think anything you can do to avoid these kind of morning, you know, expect the unexpected, I guess, be, mm. be extra prepared, because yeah. the exam is stressful enough, mm. you don't want to be mm. dealing with all this extra stuff. Yeah. Did you guys ever, like, leave your phone at home, for example? Because I know that my uni, yeah. like, if your phone, even if it's in, like, the place where bags are allowed to be, not with you but if your phone makes a sound during the exam you can get a fine really? so well some people just... <laughs> in, in my exams we all basically just have to throw our bags into a big pile at the yeah. back of the room so you'd never be able to identify whose it was yeah. um and also because of like for me because of the commute like of course I yeah, need my yeah, phone, yeah otherwise i don't know where i'm going <laughs> <laughs> london <laughs> I always had the wobbly desk as well. Did you guys have the uh, individual desk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and you have to put your hand up and someone comes over and folds a piece of paper ten times over and puts it <laughs> under one of the legs. Yeah. I was once the sniffler. No, was, oh, the, uh, I was very self-conscious about my sniffling. Oh dear, no, that's, that's quite a difficult position to be in, yeah. <laughs> Bring tissues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and check, like... <laughs> What kind of pencil you're supposed to use? Yeah, oh, bring, yeah. bring a calculator. Yeah. I once got my calculator took off me. <laughs> it was the wrong type of calculator, oh, wow, yeah. and I was like, ah, oh, no, I don't care. Like it's a med school exam. I don't need a calculator. And I turn the bloody page over, and there's some like, calculations, and I'm like, mate, you just nicked the calculator. Yeah. I was raging. So I like do proper maths and everything. Yeah, this is, I mean, <laughs> I I don't feel like I'm showing myself in a very good light because my last set, my last exam, I didn't bring a pencil. Oh no! What and there? I was really late as well, <laughs> so wow. I had to get my friend to um, go and find out what my scene number was, and then leave me some pencils on my desk because she wrote, no. uh, "Jody, you're a babe, and I love you." <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, try and avoid things like that. Mm. You know, it, I obviously have not learned from past mistakes because this kind of things happen to I me still get on my, the reg. Um, my dad to call me as well. I don't trust my alarms. So I still get parents to wake, to wake up. me up in oh. the morning. Yeah. I always just set two alarms the night before an exam as yeah, well. Yeah, don't yeah, trust yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Set two and me and my friends would always check that things, we were like yeah. awake and stuff beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was nice when when we were an undergrad and we all sat we all lived together and we all sat off from the same place. Yeah, so that was good. Oh, yeah, you could always, have your little yeah, yeah, exactly. So if someone if you were at the meeting time, we were twenty minutes early, you know, you can still you still got time to knock on someone's door and get them get them to their exam on time. That's yeah. nice. And then you've yeah. got solidarity as well as a group. That's not yeah. like the idea of yeah, yeah, traveling exactly. Going together. in it together. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's good. Yeah. Oh, one of my things there was always to be a bit wary about who I speak to immediately before an exam because oh, yeah, you'd always find... An and after, after mm. as well, yeah. But you'd find these people all showing off their knowledge of the brachial oh, plexus or whatever. Yeah. And, you're always like, and, and then it makes you, you nervous, last minute panic. You know, you don't need do, that. You know it. Yeah, you've I got mean, it. Like, don't let other people freak out. And if you are a person who likes to debrief, because I do like to debrief and talk about all of the things yeah. that I didn't know in the exam, like, some people don't like that. So just make mm. sure yeah. that yeah. you, maybe if you're, like, going for a drink with friends or whatever, like, you know which friends will yeah. want to talk about choose it. carefully who you want to do that with because yeah, it can definitely. be brilliant with the right with your friends who you know and like yeah. not yeah. judgmental and working at a similar level to you and things like that but when you overhear someone else going oh it was so obviously Ramapril wasn't it yeah. question five and Ugh. you're like oh, I but can't Candice Sartan and yeah. you feel like an idiot and, what are these and you just words? don't need Sorry. that <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what is medicine <laughs> help just some stuff I made up <laughs> 
Okay, cool. Well, I think that we have given some really good practical tips. Like, this is, you know, like, the sum of the knowledge of four people who have basically all gone through, like, hours and upon hours of exam prep and and revision and getting things wrong on the day of the exam, mm. like me. Mm. Um, so I guess I kind of considered myself a bit of an exam vet, but I've definitely learned some stuff from you guys today um particularly about like inheriting flashcards mm. i didn't know mm. i didn't know about that but now mm. that i will be going like back into the year below me maybe yeah. that's something that i can share my emergency deck with you if you want i can you should yeah. know people you know. in your year who will have finished as well, well yeah exactly so exactly so i might be able to get some yeah. get some stuff from them yeah. what about you declan have you learned learned anything today i mean i, I guess the, the flashcard thing is something that I'd never done because I thought mm. it would take too much time, but you know, I guess kind of going along as you as you learn doing those would actually be mm. a useful thing. So I may mm. I may well do that in the future. Yeah. What about you, Lara? Well, I'm encouraged to hear that you guys also have this experience of your piles of notes getting smaller as the years go on. Mm. Um, and yeah, I've got some practical ideas to take with me as I make a revision plan for next time. Flashcards, question banks resources yeah thanks for those tips david do you have any final thoughts for our listeners the the only other thing i think we didn't really mention is the time management in the exam i think is very important which i i always just found that it's very easy to run out of time in an exam and if you don't finish all the questions Mm -hmm. you'll get heavily penalized especially in like the sjt so i used to just have this mental voice in the back of my head just going move on move on move on i don't know if anyone else had that anytime you're starting to really deliberate too much over a question i i just had this voice move on get on with it because you're (laughs) you're running out of time and i think in those situations it's better always answer and then circle the question and you can come back to it later Mm -hmm. if you need to i think some people can get in trouble where they spend a bit of time and they're not sure if it's b or c so they don't answer and they circle it and they'll come back to it later but then you run out of time and Mm. you've left that one blank so i think Mm. if in doubt and you're spending too long on a question answer it circle it move on and if you've got time come back to it later but you just have to put something down or you you kill yourself with double blank answers yeah i definitely agree with that That's all from us on Sharp Scratch today. If you'd like to hear more from us, subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts, and in two weeks' time, you'll get our next episode straight to your phone. While you wait for the next episode, why not check us out on social media? We're BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag Sharp Scratch. We'd love to hear your ideas for what we should cover later on in the season. It's also really helpful to us if you can leave a rating and a review on Apple Pods or wherever it is you get your podcasts, as it helps other med students find the show. Until next time, it's goodbye from all of us in the studio. Bye. Bye.